You got any songs that are stuck in your head this week that you'd like to sing for us? No. None. Come on. No. Give us the taste. You know I don't like singing. You love singing. I like karaokeing, and I like singing in my car. I don't really like singing unironically. Well, sing ironically. Sing ironic. Isn't it ironic by Lance Morissette? Don't make me sing. All right. I'm your host, Carly. And I'm Lucas. And he's about to take a nope, big, no, no. loud sip no, of a no, drink. No, I'm Lucas. I see you. You're holding it. I already hear the glass rattling around. I'm going to get you a straw. It's actually a good idea. <laughs> Can you get me one of those twirly straws that say my name? Yes. If I do, you have to commit to using that every time we record. 100% chance. Yeah, that's no brainer, yes. Did you have those straws when you were a kid? This crazy straw? Yeah. Of course. We had like two. I didn't have one with my name, but I've just no. been seeing that like no, all over like, like Instagram. Kind of the three curly S. Yeah, a crazy straw, of course. My parents were not fans of them, and we could only use them on like special occasions. Is that part of your Mormon upbringing? No. <laughs> no caffeine, no crazy straws. <laughs> For the record, I'm not Mormon. Um, no, I was just. It was kind of not like, that there's anything wrong with that. It was just kind of a pain in the ass to drink from those. Yeah, they suck, but they're you really fun. had to be like, like take a really deep breath in. Yeah, heavy suction. I just gave necessary. myself like very lightheaded from doing that. All right. Well, can you continue, or do we need to take five? I really want to. I know I can continue. This is not like the pine needle in my foot. Okay. Thank God. Again, I think it's been understated how, like, painful that was. This very sharp Christmas tree pine needle was stabbing, like, the cuticle of my toenail, like, at the base of it. It wasn't, like, why, under my toe. Why are we rehashing this? Because I the, People did heard not, your reaction I don't if they listened two weeks ago. enough people cared. <laughs> and that's my issue. Okay, well, that's going to continue. I got no flowers. I got no, like, <laughs> notes. I asked you for two flowers. <laughs> I was you like, gave me no flowers. I was like, where are all the sympathy cards for my injury? <laughs> all right. Relax. <laughs> I would have appreciated anyone asking how I felt in the last two weeks about I my asked toe. in no, you were just real like, time. What, what is that face you're making? You were more concerned about the face and less about the injury. Okay. It was a hideous face. Hey. Hey. I make no hideous faces. Okay. For all you teachers, fanatics out there, that was a teacher's reference. Final season premieres this week. What was your connection to one of the Katies? A girl I went to high school with, her cousin is Kate Lambert, Caroline, on the show. The Katie dids? Yeah, she's one of the Katie dids. Awesome. Um... (laughs) So I would really like to meet her. We can make that happen. I wish we could. I'm still waiting for any celebrity to be on our show. Bananas was in town a couple weeks ago. No, a couple days ago. What was he doing? I know you said he was at Emily Schramm's gym. Well, he hosts that first look show for NBC now, so it involves a lot of travel. I thought it was a studio show. No, you go 
to places like, oh, I'm here in Denver trying out this restaurant or, you know, I'm at Red Rocks. Um, So maybe he was here for that, but he was at Emily Schramm's gym platform strength. Where is that place? Rhino. It's on Blake Street. So. Shout out, Emily. (laughs) Go to her gym. Yep. Come on the show anytime, Emily. You're welcome. Damn right. More than welcome. Are you having a good week? Am I? Yeah. Yeah. Super snowy today. Yeah. Oh, I went to a Chinese restaurant for to pick up some lunch today, get carry out, and the the Why guy. Why tell me that when I ordered Thai? Is that going to be too redundant for dinner? That's fine. Okay. The 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 guy who was handling the phones and the orders at the front desk was a real firecracker. He was like yelling at customers uh, who that called seem in. Like a good business practice. <laughs> well. I think it was like one of those like wiener circle type things where you you know if you go to this place that this guy's going to razz you a little bit. But like people were asking uh, how long it was going to take for deliveries and we got, you know, like six inches of snow today here in Denver and the, the guy was like, it'll get there when it gets there. Okay, I'm not giving you a time. <laughs> yeah. he, like I said, he was a real firecracker. He, he was like sh- showing off his guns. He was talking about how much he works out. He came over to me and was like, he was like, yeah, I'm not going to do it again. But he was showing me his muscles. And he was a, a very fit, older... How long were you there? Like 35 minutes. It took a long time. It was very busy. We may as well jump into the second thing on our rundown. Hmm. About the Golden Globes oh. and the backlash. Before we get there, in general, you don't like award shows, but I got you to watch the Golden Globes with me. Yeah, I'm actually surprised I made it through the entirety of that award it's show. It's a very fast show. Yeah, they only the... do major awards. It's not writing. It's not... You know, like yes, I, cinematography. I found it much easier to digest than the Academy How Awards. did you think of Andy Samberg and Sandra Oh as hosts? I actually liked them. I, and I'm not a huge fan of either of them individually. However, their sort of awkward, half kind of winking at the audience, like, why are we doing this? Why are we the hosts of this? I actually thought it was pretty charming. I thought they were perfectly pleasant. Yeah. They were charming. They didn't suck the air out of the room no. and they didn't go everyone said the monologue was too long but the monologue was terrible like the that was probably the worst part was the opening bit where they were doing like the roast like making fun of just like the concept of roasts and well, it's like the thing is Andy Samberg has done that before so it was already an and, overused bit I think at the roast of Justin Bieber or James Franco he did the like oh, you're so handsome you're so that's such a lame yeah. concept yeah but I thought they were fine. The show itself, no overly controversial moments. Except for all the winners. <laughs> well, exactly. We're going to get to that. So, it's controversial for different reasons. Bohemian Rhapsody wins Best Drama. And people just sort of wholly agreed, I thought, that that movie was not good. No. That like- Rami Malek's performance was good, but not the movie itself. It's sort of straight washes Freddie Mercury. It's not really true to their origin story of as a group. And it's apparently chronologically wrong, too. It's got a 62 on Rotten Tomatoes. I don't, when was the last time there was a major award but winner of a movie that had that... It's l- always important to remember that the, the Hollywood Foreign Press Association can be bought and can be schmoozed. Sure, but it's just bizarre that... that, that like you said, this is widely regarded as not being a good movie. I'm not sure if it's a complete bomb or a terrible movie. I've never seen it, but I don't think it's that anybody thinks it's great. 
it's like doing very well in the box office internationally, and this is like Hollywood Foreign Press Association. So, I get it. Um, and then, but it's not as if Americans don't love Queen. <laughs> no, but then Green Book won Best Comedy or Musical. Green Room. Green Book. The, 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 the Nazi punks. That was actually. And Green Book has had sort of an interesting trajectory. It premiered at the Toronto Film Festival, I want to say, and TIFF was very well regarded, like very well received, critically acclaimed off the bat. But then as the movie moved towards its commercial release, the family of Dr. Shirley, played by Mahershala Ali, were like, no one contacted us about this movie. Like, a lot of this is not accurate. And by the way, Dr. Shirley didn't like Tony Lip very much. (laughs) So this idea that it was like, the white man and the black man becoming friends, very driving Miss Daisy, was... You know, changing because this was billed as a true story written by Tony Lip, played well, isn't by it the Inverse of Driving Miss Daisy. Isn't yeah, but I mean, like in that style okay. of like working person help you know brings rich person down to earth and, and the race aspect of it. Um, but it was billed as this true story written by the son of Tony Valanga, played by Viggo Mortensen, and so the family was like, we weren't included in this at all. So here's the backlash that has happened since their win this week, which if Green Book was a front runner for the Oscar after the Golden Globes, there's just no way in hell it can win now. It wasn't going to. Or else, well, it, sometimes these change the momentum of a movie. These awards can change the momentum of how a movie does. So like in just the last week alone, a Peter Fairley interview has resurfaced where he was quoted saying that like the first time he met Cameron Diaz he like had his dick out and was, flashed her so couple of things i didn't realize that this peter fairley was the fairley brothers peter fairley so when does he since when does he do serious movies i don't know secondly i assume that fairley was talking about um there's something about mary when he flashed Cameron Diaz or something, right? Yes. Okay. Yes, this is a very old interview, but it, it you know, in this era, does not play well. well no, so of course So there's not, a hit but... against Peter Fairley, who is also widely criticized for sort of giving a, my movie solved racism speech when the movie won at the Golden Globes. And then um, the screenwriter, the son of the main character, Nick Vallelonga, his old tweet surfaced. He retweeted the Donald Trump, like, I saw Muslims cheering on 9-11 tweet in 2015. Oh, really? Yes. And Where's he, Bobby Fairley at? Is he, is he not I, working with... No, I don't know. They were a team. But you're... I'm on this now. All right. <laughs> this is what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, and he kind of quote tweeted it and said, like, can confirm. I saw it too. Who is this? Like, I don't even know the be- who these, this person is. This is the screenwriter of The Green son Book, of, of the Viggo Mortensen. But yes. who is the guy? Who- well, apparently, this is what I was... So, Tony Lip, Tony Vallelonga, played Carmine Lupertazzi in The Sopranos. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yes. So, before he was an actor, he was a driver for musicians? Isn't that no, what Green Book's the- about? A guy driving a musician he- around? He was... Security at a club, I think. I haven't seen the movie. He was just sort of like a tough guy in New York. So 
Dr. Shirley hires him to sort of be his escort because it's not safe for a black man to drive himself around the South. But this is a New York guy. Right. And New, those- New Jersey guy or whatever. But he's not like a driver, but eventually he kind of became an actor from this. I, okay, that's cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. So, yeah, that's him. That is Nick's father. So, lots of backlash surrounding this movie. I think if it had any momentum going into the Oscars voting, which opened the day after the Golden Globes, it'll probably still get nominated, but no way it's going to win. Because if it wins, it would make Crash look like the most problematic free movie ever. God, Crash was so bad. And now that the Academy is much more diverse, that's the reason I think Three Billboards didn't win. And, you know. Another one I never saw. I saw it. It was... It just wasn't that great. So I think there's just no more room for these, like, movies about black people that are directed and written by white people. Remember when Carmine Lupertazzi had a stroke at the golf course and choked on his egg salad? That was fucking hilarious. Um, so that's one of the backlashes that has happened this week. Another, so in 2013, Lady Gaga recorded a song with R. Kelly called Do What You Want, parentheses, With My Body. Oh, I remember that song. It's kind of a slap, kind of slaps. <laughs> but, <laughs> do what you want, what you want, want my body. Do what you want, what you like, like again. Like that. That's not the melody okay. exactly, but, but it's, that's the song for though, right? Lucas. That's pretty close. That's close. <laughs> um, so she recorded that in 2013, and since all of this surviving R. Kelly, mute R. Kelly has started with the Lifetime series, people are like, hey, Lady Gaga, why aren't you saying anything about that song that you recorded with him that was very creepy in its message? (laughs) And this week is when she finally kind of said, like, I should have never recorded that. I was obviously dealing with the PTSD of my own sexual assault. I wish I'd been in therapy back then because I never would have recorded that song. The the music video and the, the lyrics. So, like the, she never would have recorded it because of the content the of the content song? And, or because yeah, of, the content yeah. of the song and working with R. Kelly. She's hardly the the only person that's ever worked with R. Kelly before. I mean, to go no, back and to, to drag also, everybody who's ever done a feature with, an R, with R. Kelly is insane. No, but she's in the running for an Oscar. So is doing a lot of interviews right now. She's a big advocate for sexual assault survivors. So it's hard to reconcile those two things if you want to be an ally to sexual assault survivors, but having only recently, six years ago, worked with a long-accused sexual predator. Because just because Surviving R. Kelly came out last week does not mean these allegations haven't followed him for years. Well, well no. before 2013. How can Lady Gaga, specifically her, because of her outspokenness to, you know, stand up for women, stand up for sexual assault survivors, admit she is a sexual assault survivor, and is running for an Oscar, she needs to answer for those, is what the public has said. And what's her response? Her being? response is, but- I 1,000% stand behind these women. I'm so sorry I recorded it. I'm going to have it taken down from streaming services. I want to make no more money off this song. I was in a bad headspace when I recorded it. I never should have worked with them. And people aren't accepting that? That sounds reasonable. Oh, I think they are. I just think it's a a bad look in the middle of award season for her. Right. And something she could, might have to deal with on future red carpets and in future interviews as she's campaigning for an Oscar for A Star is Born because she lost a little momentum losing to Glenn Co- Close at the Golden Globes. That was a crazy pick. 
That was crazy, especially because the Hollywood Foreign Press Association loves a celebrity. That's why they nominate celebrities. And Glenn Close is a movie star, but she's not really a celebrity. So you would have thought that was like Lady Gaga's to lose. Even though we're a TV podcast, I do love the Oscars because guess what? They air on TV, so I care. That's right. And fair, still no host. Fair game. And speaking of no host, Kevin Hart can't keep his freaking mouth shut. He continues to make this situation so much worse. Yeah, what show was he like fighting with people? Or not fighting, but like... He was on Ellen doing no, another apology round. No, but there was a... Sh- he was on some show either this morning or yesterday morning where he was like, I'm done talking about this. I think the Today Show. It, 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 it was, uh, yeah, like a morning network show. Yeah. And he was like, Don Lemon says I have to be an ally. It's not my life dream to be an ally of the LGBTQ community. I'm like, oh boy. You just can't say that. Yeah, I, I think, unfortunately, he kind of wants to have it both ways where he's going to stake out this position as... He keeps saying, I've grown, I've changed. Like, that was my comedy then, but it's like, but you still probably believe all that stuff. Well, I mean, there's some parallels to Louis Louis C.K. here in that you sort of cling to this idea as a comic where language is sacrosanct and you can say essentially whatever you want and damn whoever's offended by it, which is true. And Louis proven that as a, just a straight comedian, you can do that and still be invited back to clubs and still be able to do your act. However, you cannot do that stuff and also host the Oscars. So Kevin Hart can't also be a movie star who hosts the Oscars while clinging to this thing. Like, I don't know. I'm just a stand-up comedian. I'm allowed to say that stuff in my stand-up act. So you, you, you can't have it both ways. And this idea that, you know, like, a word, it's just words. Words don't matter what I say. Well, they do matter. That's, why, that's how you've made your living, by saying words. So, again, you can't have it both ways. Like, you can't take what I'm saying seriously, but also please pay me for what I say. Please, like, pay to hear what I say, pay to watch me in TV, but don't take me seriously. I don't, it's stupid. Sure. Stupid. Louis C.K. is canceled. Yes. Kevin Hart is canceled. They're well, done. We'll, we'll, we'll see. I mean, people keep booking Kevin Hart on talk shows, but he just makes it worse for himself every single time. Yeah, but, you know, when he makes another stupid ass like buddy cop movie with Will Ferrell and it makes 150 million dollars the first weekend. I don't We're think they will. Be... It's been a while since he's had a really big good movie. Like his, well, his movies peak aren't was like 3 good. years. Well, I mean box office success. His peak was about 3 years ago. I don't think he's made anything really successful since then. His peak was Soul Plane and that came out in like 2003. Okay. All right. Um so speaking of Carmine and the Sopranos it's been 20 years since The Sopranos came out. January 1999, the premiere of The Sopranos. Have you watched? Did you watch from the beginning, from the from the get? No, because we didn't have HBO. So where were you in 1999? I was eight. I was. I was g- not eight yet when this premiered. I was seven. I was going into. High school, so I was in eighth grade, about to go into high school the next year, um, and we did not have HBO. However, my dad has always been sort of hip enough to TV and stuff like that that he was aware of the show. Um, so after the first season, 
we went to Blockbuster and where you could rent like the VHS. It was like 17 VHSs that you had to rent for the a season of television. And we, we rented them and cranked them all out. So I remember very distinctly my uncle would have to come over to my grandparents' house to watch on their TV because they had HBO. And he really wanted to watch it. And I didn't know what the show was about. I, my, I think my grandparents had the DVD box set of it, actually. Not um, for the early seasons. I think a, a couple years later they had them. Okay. Like, they eventually made the DVDs of seasons, or early seasons. And I don't know when my parents started watching, but I, I, re- I know they were caught up and watching by the time of the series finale. Yeah, when I went to college a few years later when they were in the third or fourth season, our college had HBO included with the the TV package, whatever you got with your dorm room. As someone who watched it live, please tell me what your reaction was Set the scene of watching that final scene of the the series. Made in America. I was shout out to Slim Pickens. We we were at Slim Pickens house or at, at his mom's house in Columbia, Maryland. And, we he had like a i don't know maybe like a a 17 inch tv that we we would just sit on his bed every every week watch the sopranos same place we watch the wire every week um and we had thought like everyone else thought that there had been a power outage or something like that i mean we were sitting there in shock screaming at the television cursing comcast or fucking whoever it was at that time language I assume it was probably Comcast. Yeah. But yeah, we, we assumed that, our, that our, our cable went out. And it was upsetting. How long did it take you to realize that was just it? I don't know that we even realized it until the next day. Because, I mean, we probably did, but we were also probably been drinking and having a fun time. So we were easily confused to begin with. But no, I mean, like, because there wasn't, at that time, like recaps readily available online that go up and like you know um tv critics that get screeners immediately and can like provide context i think it might have been a couple days before we really had a a sense as to what happened and i think like a lot of people i felt kind of betrayed however 20 years or it hasn't been 20 years of course since then it's been what 12 years 12 12 years since since the finale have actually been really kind to that and i i I kind of tend to agree that it's not really a betrayal it's not necessarily david simon giving the middle finger to all of his fans it's actually like a really interesting choice yeah wouldn't you argue that it's really david simon staying true to exactly what he laid out in seven seasons of that show yeah, I mean there there is an element of fuck you to the fans that that did I say Simon or Chase? Did I say, I might have said. I think you said Simon. I, meant I said Chase. Simon. I meant Apologies, I meant David we're Chase. Thinking of David Chase, another prolific TV showrunner. Yeah, but yeah, I mean Chase had a had a, a strange relationship with the fans of the show, and there's probably some element of this is really going to freak people out and upset people, but I think it's aged really well. Well, wasn't he quoted saying, you know, it disgusted him how people really wanted Tony to meet this very bloody, gory, awful end? That always was his problem, was that that people who became fans of that show because they wanted to see violence 
didn't necessarily understand what he was going for. And by giving them no violence and completely confusing everyone at the very end, it is sort of a brilliant meta commentary on the work that he had done for, you know, eight years. How excited are you to read your book, The Sopranos Sessions? Yeah, I got a copy of The Sopranos Sessions. Just came out. Thank you to Carly's brother. It was a very nice Christmas present. Uh, I read the foreword today. Uh, speaking of David Simon, it's written by Laura Lippman, David Simon's wife and a uh, very accomplished crime author herself. She's awesome. David Simon or David Chase? David Simon's oh, okay. wife, Laura Lippman, so wrote the <laughs> foreword to a book about David Chase's television show. Okay. Um, so I've read the foreword. Uh, I'm very excited. It'll be interesting. I, I I think the book is formatted in such a way that it it's sort of episodic. So each episode has has its own sort of chapter or entry. And I I think it's essays about those um, about those episodes rather than just sort of like straight recaps. I'm not super interested in reading recaps of. Episodes that I've seen. No, I don't four think they're recaps. Times. I think they're essays and new insights and new interviews. I, I think so too. Yeah, I mean, it's a challenge getting anything for Lucas when it comes to shows like The Wire and The Sopranos because he swears to God he's read every single thing that's ever been published about those two shows, and I don't doubt it. But I know, of course, I haven't read everything. But I met Solar Zeiss, Zoller. Sites and Alan Sepinwall are the the authors of of the new Soprano Session books, and Alan Sepinwall especially is sort of the godfather of television recaps. And I've been reading his stuff for well, yes, but I remember in the wire plus. in the um, all the pieces matter. You're like, this is all stuff I already knew. Well, that, that's true. There is something new in there that you said. Yeah, I mean there there were a bunch of new things in the in the wire book, but for the most part, I was familiar with most of those stories. Just saying, it's hard to you know. I don't know if buying you these books sometimes is the right move because you already know everything. It'll be interesting to go back and read them further away from having watched them. Because your mom gave me that Seinfeld book. No, my mom gave you All the Pieces Matter. She also gave me that Seinfeld book. Okay. Which is Seinfeldia, if that Seinfeld book. There was a book, I think it came out last year, called Seinfeldia, which it was an oral history of... um, of Seinfeld, which I found really interesting because a lot of that stuff happened when I was a young kid and either wasn't aware of it or had forgotten about it. So that was really cool. So I imagine if I go back and reread these books in 10 years, I will have forgotten a lot of these things and it'll be kind of cool and fresh again. But, you know, for shows like The Sopranos and The Wire, which I've watched and watched and watched and watched and watched, you know, recently, it's, it's a little tougher. But I'm excited about the book. I'll, I'll let you guys know how it is. All right. So moving away from our HBO reminiscing to some reality TV news. This is really going to be a news-heavy episode. We have no bit for you guys this week. No recaps of shows. I don't know. Why haven't we watched a lot of TV this week? There's been a lot on. No. Yeah, it's kind of that week where a couple shows came back. We just watched The Good Place, but we're saving our chat about that till oh, the season. Oh, you don't want season. to talk about that. I'm going to wait till the season finale and just kind of talk about that last Stretch of the season as one chunk, All right. if you don't mind. Sure. Um, and we're doing a lot of yoga, less screen time. <laughs> just kidding. Just as much screen time. No, in the new we're, year. We're, we're just in one of those weird lulls where there's not a ton going on. Uh, Floor Bama aired last night. We haven't watched it yet. We'll yeah, watch we're it. not going to talk about the 90 Day Fiance reunion special. I don't even think we'll watch it. 
Yeah, maybe not. Um, so, yeah. Anyway, so we're just going to kind of recap some news here. Continue recapping news, I guess. Um, Bachelor, you put it on here. We didn't watch. I thought you had watched portions of the... I watched the three-minute this season on montage. What'd you think? It looks like every other Bachelor season ever. I don't know if I can do this anymore. You used to love The Bachelor. I know, but I really don't like Colton. I didn't want him to be Bachelor. Colty? I'm getting so sick of, like, this Ken Doll-ass-looking dude and 30, 22 to 25-year-olds who, at this point, we all know why they're there. No shots to them. But we all know they're just there to get Instagram followers and sponsors. And it's just not fun. I mean, I agree. The I show mean, has always been fake, and I've always been okay with that aspect of it. But there's just nothing, there's not anything genuine about it anymore. Do you think it's because they have sort of abandoned, like, the auspices of being real? Like, it's all, you're right, it's always been fake, but there seems, there was sort of like a facade. Oh, they still pimp this narrative that like oh this he's really here for real love and these women are really gonna get their heart broken and then what's changed the idea like i listened to the reality steve podcast and he talks to a lot of contestants and now it's kind of like you're not gonna be on this show unless you already have a good five to ten thousand followers on instagram and then the second you get off you go to you know skyrocket to like a hundred plus thousand so there's really no like oh you know I, you know, I'm divorced and sad or, like, my boyfriend died. It's not, like, any genuine, like, stories anymore. It's just like, oh, you're hot and you're already on social media. Like, they handpick them How now. How you get to that sort of, like, middle tier of social media where you have, like, five or 10,000 followers, but you're not I'm glad famous? You uh, like, I, I don't, have I don't get it. Kidding. I don't have that many. Um, Is it just because... It's, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of self-promotion. I mean, these people work with photographers and they do a trade, like... You get photos for your portfolio, and then I get to put the photos on my Instagram and hashtag like mountains, hashtag I love the mountains, hashtag wanderlust. And just is that how, like, you just put so many hashtags that you hope that somebody sees it through the hashtags and thinks you're cute and follows you? Well, and then, like, they share it, like, you want to get like shared on pages, and you know. Like I understand, by I understand famous people, but yeah. I don't quite understand like this middle ground where regular you're, people you're are sort of famous. Up. You're trying to network with like professional photographers who might have a bit more of an established following. They take a picture of you, they tag you. People go to your page and start following you, and you have to be hot. You have to be willing to like show some skin. Like it's you know maybe you're a fitness person, maybe you're a beauty person. Like there's a lot of different. I'm all those things. I'm a fit beauty person who's willing to show some skin. So where you at, (laughs) fellas? It's like, come take some photos. I'm ready to be an influencer. Um, Says the person who screams, I do not give consent every time I take a picture of you. Yeah. That's because you try to take pictures of me when I'm not paying attention and I'm not ready. You need to step up your photographing me game in 2019. That's The Bachelor. It just looks like every other shitty season. I I usually tune in kind of after... Week three or four when it's whittled down a little bit more. But aren't like the early ones the most fun where like it's just a complete shit show at the Bachelor Mansion and yeah, I just I've got like no no like yearning to watch. Um, fine by me. But a show I still love, the challenge. Our main man Johnny Bananas. He's 
apparently going to be on Big Brother Celebrity or Celebrity Big Brother. Who else is he living in the house Tiffany with? Pollard, Dina Lohan. Tiffany Pollard is New York. Okay. We uh, talked about this. You're right. Because you're like, how old is she? 55 and she's 37. <laughs> so I hope you feel bad. Um, I'm not 37 yet. Is this a upgrade? Bad move? Lateral move? I mean, Celebrity Big Brother, if he's being considered a celebrity, that's Does it air on good. NBC? It airs on CBS. CBS, okay. Um, Julie Chen Moonves is the host. Oh, great. Um, so Speaking of allies. He'll get, like, national exposure, which that's is obviously an upgrade from... I'm surprised he's allowed to do it because he is the host of a show on NBC. I'm surprised his contract would let him be on a CBS property. Yeah, and also Viacom is... The MTV is not affiliated with CBS. There's three different major media groups that he's involved with. So I thought Viacom produced Celebrity Big Brother. Maybe they maybe they do. I don't know. So that would make more sense, which is why the Big Brother people are going on. Yeah, I guess the that challenge. Would make sense. We could be wrong. Please fact check us. Um, it's fine. It's I don't fine watch for Big him. Brother, yeah. so it, it's hard for me to get excited about this news for him. But I suppose it's a payday for him. But more exposure. Sure. It, yeah, but I mean, like it, you're not pure anymore. Well, you're not on the challenge. Like you need to be on the challenge and only the challenge. I kind of felt that way about that dumb NBC show. Well, that was like a hosting gig. I don't want him to be on another reality competition show. So we'll see how that turns out for him. Yeah, I'm. I'm We're not going to watch. Like not so we'll see as we this. watch. But it, no. I guess congratulations to him. Sure. And then we're already kind of running along. So do you want to talk about Murder Mountain? Uh, yeah, real quick. Uh, there's a new documentary. Actually, really quick, please. Yes, there's there's a new docu- documentary on Netflix that's getting a little bit of buzz called Murder Mountain, which I like the, the concept of, especially because it's sort of a true crime documentary on Netflix that doesn't involve um, like a wrongfully accused person or a potentially wrongfully accused person, which they've had like 40 of recently, making a murder is the most um, you know high profile. However... I don't know that they necessarily stick to landing. I'm one episode away from the end, so perhaps they do. I, I, I find it's a two-track documentary. So the first track is a, sort of a straightforward um, murder mystery. The other track is kind of an exploration of how Humboldt County, California, the sort of the the Emerald Triangle, um, went from kind of a, a hippie paradise to this much skeezier, uh, much more dangerous place and i think at least five or so episodes in they've succeeded far more of telling the story of humboldt county than they have about this particular murder um but maybe the maybe they'll stick the landing i like that the episodes are short they're you know only like 40 minutes long so it's worth watching uh i have some problems with it i won't go into them because we're running late uh and that's it carly is I'm sorry. I'm totally checked out on this topic. Yes. I'm not watching this show. That's all right. We'll wrap it up. Yeah. <laughs> um, thanks for sticking with us as always. Sorry we don't really have too much of our normal, you know, momentum going into this week. But we did want to bring you a show. We know some people count on this every week to get them through <laughs> their day. You asked for one show. We gave you half a show. <laughs> We're trying to keep it shorter at the recommendation of my father. Noted podcast critique. Noted noted 
pod noted podcast critic. There we go. It is the end of the week. We're all tired for a lot of us, including us two hosts. It's our first full week back at work since the holidays. Happy Friday. Yeah. Well, don't date us, please. <laughs> what do you mean? This might go tomorrow. I know. Um, but hope you guys have a great week. As always, reach out to us on our channels, email, Twitter, Instagram, at BasicCablePod, BasicCablePod at gmail.com. Tell your friends. we got to get there, people. It's on my vision board to get to 2 million listeners this year. We'll, we'll, we'll achieve that. It's my vision wall. Right. So thank you guys so much for listening. We will talk to you next week. Light is... Oh, I know, I know. No, I love, Carly loves when I say Blah. that. Basic Cable is hosted and produced by Carly and Lucas. Music you hear at the beginning and end of every episode is provided royalty, courtesy, free of bensoundmusic.com. Thanks so much for making those tunes and letting us use them. We'll talk to you guys next week.